Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. This happened around 1995 or so in central Mexico. My dad was a 20-something-year-old who was very involved with the church at the time, as well as the community theater. He did things like put together shows and plays for the church, help each week with youth group, and put together social gatherings for the young members of the church. When this event happened, He and the other youth group leaders decided to go to a nearby town's church and do a retreat with some of the troubled teens to try and help them onto a better path and strengthen their faith. The church in that town was off of a dirt road in the middle of nowhere in the desert. There were a few neighboring ranches, but even those were a ways away from the church, which is one of the reasons why they chose this place for their retreat. They wanted it to be away from things that could be distracting. The church wasn't huge, and the building where Mass was held was independent of the bathroom and the kitchen. These were located about 30 feet from the main building, meaning whenever it was time to prepare meals, two of the group leaders had to step out and walk through a bit of brush and desert terrain to the kitchen building. This retreat would be the lock-in sort of thing, where you would sleep and eat at the church in between group meetings and prayers for a few days. I'm not sure how long the retreat was supposed to last or on which night this occurred, but here's how it went. My dad said that the kind of young adults and teens attending were troubled ones. Some were in and out of jail due to petty crimes, some were gang members, some were struggling with drugs, and some were made to attend by their parents because they were found practicing witchcraft and other occult things. It's safe to say that everyone in attendance was not there of their own choosing. I think this is important to note. So the night that this happened, they were in the middle of a group meeting. They had set up chairs and a few pews in the middle of the room in a circle. This must have been one of the first few nights because although some attendees were expressing that they were ready for a better life and wanted to open their lives to God, there was still strong opposition from the others. Some were mocking and shouting obscenities and cursing God. Very quickly... I just want to make it clear that I'm not bashing anyone, nor do I think any type of person is above anyone else. I'm not even religious, and I actually don't agree with forced interventions like this, because I feel that for it to be successful, people need to be ready and want to have help from qualified people to give it. Anyway, you could say that the energies in this church were very, very mixed, which is, in my opinion, why this happened. It was around 7 p.m., and it was starting to get dark out. They were having group while the leaders in charge of the dinner duties slipped out 
to get started on the night's meal. About 20 minutes later, they came running into the church building completely scared and shaken, screaming for everyone to lock and barricade every door and window. Everyone was puzzled and shocked by this and wanted to know why, but instead were told to please hurry and barricade everything. Some people were getting freaked out by this, so they did as they were asked, while others remained in their seats and laughed at how scared the two leaders were and how everybody else was freaking out. Those who were helping locked everything as they were told and put some pews and tables in front of the doors. Everyone was confused as to what was happening when one of them yelled, There's something out there. It's like this big dog. It has red eyes. It was snarling and circling us when it got on its hind legs and started walking, hunched over with its front paws curled in front of it. It started laughing at us. They said it was very tall, around six feet. Something was off about its back legs, though, but they didn't stick around long enough to make out why. My dad said that they were genuinely terrified, but his first thought was that they might be playing a bad joke. Everyone became panicked, even the ones who were joking about the situation sat there quietly and with alarm growing on their faces. At this point, those who helped to barricade everything were still by the doors clearly confused and scared when they all heard this loud, low growl that stretched on into a cackle coming from behind the door. People started to cry. Some even started to pray to themselves while they ran back to the center of the church away from where they heard the growling as fast as they could. One of the church leaders said that they should all join hands and pray together, but as soon as he finished this sentence, all of the windows erupted with the sound of banging over and over that was very aggressive. The glass looked like it would break at any moment if it didn't stop soon. And at that same time, all of the chairs that were left in the circle began to shuffle and jump up off of the ground, as high as a foot or so. Everyone was terrified. There were no jokes or mocking coming from anyone anymore. Just terror and fear on every face in the room. More laughter and growls boomed from the door. My dad said that even though all the windows were old and dusty, more opaque than clear due to the age and location of the church and the desert, you could still look through them and make out what was outside. And although it was pitch black now, there were enough lights and candles illuminating the inside that if anyone were playing a prank, they'd easily be spotted. There was nothing. Still, this deep, terrifying voice beckoned from outside of the front doors to be let in. The voice was so low and deep that my dad said it shook the ground. Then whatever it was started throwing itself against the door so hard that the doors looked like they might break. Everything was getting more intense by the second, so after some unsure glances around the room, everyone joined hands and began to pray for what felt like forever. One last angry roar was heard from behind the door, and all at once, the banging stopped. The windows no longer shook and the chairs stopped jumping up off the ground. Everything became still. Everything was quiet now, but everyone was standing there unmoving, still with joined hands. They listened and waited, but nothing else happened. The heaviness in the air lifted. After this, nobody wanted to talk about what just happened, but I was told by my dad 
that they continued their meeting and quietly agreed to just skip dinner that night. Just in case. In the end, everybody attending immersed themselves in helping themselves and the community, promising to make better choices. I asked my dad what he thought of all of this after all these years, and he responded that he's fully convinced it was the devil. The devil must have been so angry that we were helping some of those that he had started to sink his claws into and got them onto a better path, he said. He was angry. He wanted to frighten us into stopping our retreat so that he could continue to corrupt these people, the people we were trying to help. I'm sure he's still angry he failed to take them with him. Now, I believe there are things that we don't understand, good and evil, and although I don't believe in God or the devil, I think that when enough people believe the same thing, these energies that want to scare us and feed on our energy will manifest themselves in whatever form they've learned would take the biggest toll. Thanks for reading. If you ever see a black dog with red eyes, run as fast as you can. I have had many unexplained and perhaps paranormal things happen to me. I've always felt like I can hear people talking to me when no one is there. And no, I don't have any mental health conditions. One time, while riding in a van full of people, I heard my name being yelled very loudly in a very deep voice. So loud that it made me jump. Except... Nobody in the vehicle had said my name. When I was in high school, I woke up in the middle of the night to see my dad standing at the foot of my bed, but he was wearing what looked like some kind of top hat and a suit. He was also very tall, taller than usual. He is already six foot one, so him being significantly taller kind of freaked me out. I quickly pulled the covers over my face. When I looked back, he was gone, but I don't remember hearing him actually leave the room. In the morning, I asked him why he came into my bedroom that night, and he said he didn't. Months later, my younger brother had friends stay the night, and they all slept in the living room. My brother said in the middle of the night, he woke up and standing outside on the porch was a tall, lanky man wearing a suit and a top hat, just standing there. Needless to say, it freaked him out, and he shut the blinds to the window. Wasn't very easy for him to sleep that night. I don't know if the paranormal things I experience are because of me or the places I'm at. In my current home, I have had multiple things happen. While sleeping, I woke up to see an apparition floating above me, perpendicular to how I was laying, just staring at me. Naturally, I was a bit frightened. In that same room, I saw what looked like a dog on its hind legs at the side of the bed. 
just looking down at me while sleeping. We didn't have any animals yet, so I know it wasn't ours. My oldest son has seen what appears to be a woman who resembles me, but is a bit taller. I believe it to be the lady I saw when we first moved into the house 20 years ago. At the same house when my oldest son was two years old, I was on the computer looking at occult websites and things like that. It was around midnight. I was the only person awake and had been for a few hours. When I was reading some creepy spells and things on this particular website, out of nowhere, one of the toy phones that talks said hello. And I know for a fact that toy was not touched for hours. I quickly shut off the computer, just pushed the button and said, nope, I'm out of here. I don't think what is in the house is evil. It doesn't give me or my children any sense of malevolence. I almost think it's just there to watch over us. Perhaps it's my late grandma. I say this because shortly after she passed, we had a family reunion at a park, and I swear she was there. My grandma really liked butterflies, and her favorite colors were blue and purple. While at the reunion, a butterfly with that type of coloring landed on my son's shoulder and stayed there for hours. Even when we went all across the park, it just stayed with us. Another time while I was driving, I was stupidly speeding home rather quickly, and I was on a road that had a very sharp corner. Well, as I was driving up to the corner, I heard that really deep voice again, and it yelled, Slow down. So I did, and when I turned the corner, a deer ran out into the road. I just barely missed it. Had I not slowed down, I would have hit it, or at least veered off the road and crashed. I've had a lot of other unexplained and weird things happen, and I'm still not sure why. I have foolishly played with a Ouija board. It didn't feel evil, but it did freak me out enough to not play with it ever again. One time at my old house, I saw what I can only describe as a tall, demonic-looking humanoid. I was outside talking to a friend at around 10 o'clock p.m. I saw something out of the corner of my eye across the street, and when I looked over, I clearly saw what looked like a half-man, half-demon entity of some kind. Its legs looked like they belonged to a horse. It had normal arms, but it also had horns. Its eyes were red and beyond frightening. It ran towards me, and all I could do was cover my face and turn away. My friend who was there asked me if everything was okay, because they didn't see anything. I just said I had to go inside, and left it at that while I tried to calm down. I never told anybody what I saw. A few months later, my brother's friend, who lives on the next block over, was telling us that one night, while he was lying in his bedroom, he looked out into the hallway and saw this thing. 
and when he described what he saw, they both said my face had turned pale. What he described was the same thing I saw running across the street at me. It freaked me out because how would he know what it looked like when I never told anybody what I saw? I know all these stories are jumbled around, but I just wanted to tell someone everything that has happened to me. Listening to your guys' podcast makes me think that what I'm seeing is real and not just my imagination. For Thanksgiving, my family and I went to visit my grandmother of 92 on our farm. I've always gone to the farm since I was a baby, multiple times a year for weeks at a time. I enjoyed exploring the land and creek, running off the hunters, swimming at the beaver dam, picking blueberries, and feeding the horses. I was looking forward to sharing some experiences with my daughter and husband. It was a beautiful two-story farmhouse on 126 acres of farm and woodland. My family has a lot of history in this place. Some lived and passed away there, as recently as my great-grandfather in 2006. Nothing has ever been changed internally, but all those years, I never actually slept in the house. See, I always had an eerie feeling when it would get dark. Anyways, we enjoyed a fun day with the traditional Thanksgiving meal and then caught up with my great-grandmother and my grandparents. My husband, daughter, and I went exploring in the woods and tossed rocks into the creek. When we got back, my grandfather escorted us to a room that ended up being my great-grandfather's bedroom. Later, as we had dessert and the camper, I told my granny that I was nervous about sleeping in it because I always hear and see weird stuff. She told me that it was okay and she would watch over me. My husband and I got to bed at around 11. We stayed in my great-grandfather's old bedroom. I was restless. I had trouble staying asleep. At 2.40 on the dot, I woke up because I felt like I was being watched. I was cold. I slowly opened my eyes and I could see a gray figure in the faint light from our vape charger on the other side of the room. It slowly walked across the room but the floorboards did not creak as they normally would. This thing then pulled the blanket up to my shoulders. It rested its hand between my shoulder blades. Then it spoke in a way as if it were mocking my granny in this deep, creepy, and slow voice. I told you, I'm always with you. Then it went to the chair that was in front of the bed and sat there watching me. I closed my eyes and didn't move. I didn't speak. I just pretended to be asleep until I actually fell asleep. I swear, it was like something out of a horror movie. The next morning when we were eating breakfast, Granny brought up having issues sleeping, and I asked if she came into the house and into our room. She said, no, she was sleeping in the camper all night which is in a field about a hundred yards from the house. I believe that she never left that camper. 
I know that she couldn't have gotten into the room because there are deadlocks and chains on all of the doors, including the bedrooms. Also, the floors have never been redone, so they creak very loudly. I don't know what woke me up or if it really was a dream that felt super real, but it still makes my hair stand up and I can't get it out of my head. My husband keeps saying that it was just a weird dream, but it continues to haunt me. So to the gray shadow at my family farmhouse, let's not meet again. When I was five years old, I went to visit my auntie's farm. I was sent there with my ten-year-old cousin Sarah and my nine-year-old brother Alex. We were sent by ourselves on this five-hour train ride. This was the 90s, a very different time, but I still question why my parents sent us alone. We arrived for our week-long stay at my auntie's really large cattle farm. I was excited to explore and see all her animals. I was so little, though, that my memory is a little fuzzy about some of the days we were there. On the morning of the second day, Sarah and I ventured off alone to look for the horses. We walked to a nearby shed, which wasn't very big, so we looked through one of the windows. There was a steel surgical bed, and next to it was a table with wheels on it. On the table, there were surgical tools neatly laid out on top of it. The shed itself was very clean, and there was one light hanging above the surgical bed. I also remember seeing a calico cat in the doorway. A man and a woman walked up to us from what seemed like out of nowhere. They asked what we were doing. We just said we were staying with our aunt for the week, and that we were looking for the horses. They didn't seem upset that we were snooping around the shed. They invited us into their house next to the shed to meet their cats. I have always been a cat lover, so I agreed to go with these strangers on my aunt's farm to see them. They then took me and my cousin inside their home. I remember drinking water from a cup and petting their three cats. After that, they asked if we wanted to go inside the shed we were looking at. My cousin said, no, we need to get back. My five-year-old self was very curious about why they had a surgical shed, so I agreed to check it out. They brought me out to the shed, and it looked like a scene from a movie. Rather than looking what you'd expect inside of a small shed on a farm, it looked like an actual surgical room. They had me stand at the door, and I don't remember anything happening after that. I then woke up on my aunt's couch, and it was now dark outside. The rest of the trip was confusing to me. I kept crying for my mom, and my aunt would get frustrated with me. We were sent home early, and I never told anyone about the surgical room, but I did ask my aunt who her neighbors with the cute cats were because I wanted to see them before I left. She said her only neighbors were her sister-in-law and her father-in-law, and they didn't have cats. 
I insisted I met the neighbor's cats, and she told me I must have dreamt it. I want to add that I have a giant deep scar from one end of my shoulder to the other, and my parents said I've never experienced any deep-cutting trauma for this scar to exist, which I've had since I was small. They didn't notice it for a while, but when I look at it, it appears to have been done with something very sharp, and carefully, as it's a perfectly straight line. When I bring this up to my cousin Sarah, she remembers the shed, the couple, and their cats. She said we left after we met the cats, though. I told her about this, but she is sure we both left the house. I've had very strange things happen to me ever since that trip to the farm. I'll share some of them briefly. I currently live on a beach, and one night, while driving with my sister... I saw bright red lights on our shore. Thinking maybe a boat had crashed, I had my sister drive up as close as we could. I started to record the lights, when suddenly, they lifted up from the beach and shot up into the sky. I counted nine very large lights, and they were formed in a straight line. This gigantic thing hovered for a moment, then it disappeared a few minutes later. Unfortunately, my phone seemingly disappeared from the car that same night. I also get random, strange new beauty marks on my forearms in the shape of triangles. One morning, I woke up with the same triangle shape on the palm of my hand, but they were orange and came off after a few days. I know my experience is going to sound unrealistic to some, but this is something I've just accepted as being part of me. I'm 28 now, and I've come to terms with my inexplicable experiences. I'm going to share three separate short stories about different times in my life when I have had paranormal occurrences. The first one is about when I was in middle school. I used to stay up late on my laptop and play internet games and talk in-game chat rooms with friends that I had made online. For reference, I am 24, and I was 13 or 14 at the time of this incident. This particular night, I was up late around 2 a.m., in my bed in the dark, talking to one of my friends in a game chat room. All of a sudden, there was a loud, aggressive banging on my door. I don't mean loud knocking. It sounded like someone was pounding it with their fists, trying to knock my door down. The whole door was shaking. This went on for about five seconds. It doesn't seem like a long time, but it felt like forever. When it stopped, I felt like I couldn't move. I was so terrified. I was just frozen in my bed. Then, a couple of seconds later, there was a pounding at my window. I had my blinds down, so I couldn't see outside, but it sounded like somebody was trying to bust my window open. 
There is a plastic grid on my window, so when somebody bangs on it, it hits the window and sounds really loud. Anyways, I was terrified. I couldn't move or do anything. I remember pushing my laptop to the side, pulling my covers up, and forcing myself to go to sleep. Although, it didn't come easy. I told my mom the next morning, and she just kind of played it off as a dream. I didn't want to tell her that I was up late on my laptop, so I just insisted that I knew I was awake. It's been 10 years, and I still have no idea what that was. There was no way that somebody could have gotten from my door to my window in that short of time. My room was also right next to the stairs, so I would have heard somebody coming up or climbing the roof. The house that I lived in wasn't old either, and we knew the previous owners. Luckily, my door and window were both locked that night. Here's the next story, and here's a trigger warning for abuse. When I was around 15 or 16, I was in a very abusive relationship with a guy from high school. He was my first relationship, and I was very naive. He was manipulative and emotionally abusive towards me. He also cheated on me and overall caused a lot of trauma. The worst of our relationship happened when I was 16. I won't go into too many details, but for months, he was blackmailing me into doing things that I did not want to do. My emotional and mental state was very low. I wasn't sleeping at all. I was barely eating. I lost 20 pounds in a month without even trying. I'm very good at hiding my emotions, though, so nobody knew what I was going through. During this time, I remember having two demonic-feeling nightmares. I have never had nightmares like these before, and even thinking about them gives me chills. The first one, I'm walking around my parents' garden. Now, they live in the country on about two acres. I don't remember a lot, but I felt this awful feeling worse than anything I had ever felt before. There was something bad in that garden. Very bad. I couldn't move in my dream. I was just standing there. And then I started screaming at myself. Wake up! Wake up! I then woke up and immediately started crying. I was terrified. I had never felt anything like that in my life. It was around 3 a.m. I had another dream similar to that, except I was walking around a house. And there was something in that house. It was very bad. I felt that same feeling. I then forced myself to wake up. I'm pretty sure that I was lucid dreaming in both. The moment I felt that dark, horrible feeling, it was like I was conscious in my dream and I needed to get out immediately so I would force myself to wake up. Both times I woke up sobbing and it was around 3 a.m. I truly believe my bad mental and emotional state was causing me to be attacked by demons or something dark. Once I got out of that situation with that man, the dreams stopped. My then boyfriend, now husband, not the guy from the last story, was living in his recently deceased dad's house with his dad's best friend. The house was very old and his dad had been in the middle of renovating when he passed, so there was unfinished flooring and rooms. My husband told me that he and his dad have both seen dark shadow figures in the bathroom downstairs. His dad's girlfriend's daughter said that 
She used to hear footsteps going up and down the stairs when nobody was home. There were a couple of times when I heard the door to the outside open and shut, and then we checked and nobody was there. There was also an instance where I heard somebody walking around downstairs when my husband and I both knew that nobody was supposed to be there. We had been having issues with people breaking into the barn, so my husband ran downstairs with his gun to check and nobody was there. Now, I don't think any of these things we experienced were his dad, since most of it happened before his dad passed. Anyway, that house is definitely haunted. And when I used to leave my husband's house to go back to my parents at night, I would make him walk me out to my car because I was terrified just walking through the house alone. I was born in Indonesia in the 80s, but I have been living in Australia for over 20 years. I am also now the mother of two boys. I was in junior high, and my younger brother was in primary school when this happened. We lived in a very large house, and because the home is so vast, my dad installed intercoms in the rooms, which were each assigned a number. We could pick up the handset and buzz a number, and we'd have to wait for someone to answer. If no one answered, we'd just try other numbers. At the time of this occurrence, my younger brother fell asleep in my room. I'm a light sleeper, whereas he sleeps rather heavily. I heard my intercom ring. It was still dark outside, so it must have been really early in the morning. I couldn't remember the exact time. I sleepily awoke and walked over to answer. My mom then said, Wake your brother up and tell him to start studying and get ready for school. So I did just that. My brother crankily woke up and dragged himself over to my parents' room. I went back to sleep. When I woke up in the morning... I went over to my parents' room. I saw my brother asleep in my parents' bed. I was confused and asked my mom why he was asleep when she said that she wanted him to get ready for school and study before his exam that day. My mom then said she never called my room and that it was Saturday. I was in shock because I'm positive it happened. That call definitely woke me up, and I honestly heard my mom's voice in the intercom giving me those instructions. I was not dreaming. The feeling I had was more confused than scared. To this day, I still find what happened so confusing. We all laughed about it and moved on, figured maybe it was just my brain doing weird things. Fast forward two decades later. My brother and I have now been living in Australia for a while. We still occasionally go back to Indonesia to visit our parents. This was in early 2020. 
I was there for a few weeks with my two young boys. One night, around midnight, our live-in assistant was woken up by a noise from the front gate. So he went out to see what was going on. It was nothing. So he walked back to his room on the first floor. On the walk back, he had to walk past a section of the house where there's a large window overlooking the inside kitchen and the small kitchen island where my mom puts miscellaneous stuff on the surface. This small island is never used for sitting or eating. The surface is always covered with mail, magazines, etc. That night, clear as day, he said he saw me eating at the kitchen island. I get along with him well, so I normally would always chat with him. On this night, when he saw who he thought was me, he waved, and this thing, who was not me, looked up at him and smiled, but did not say anything. To make matters worse, this thing was in a sitting position, but it was floating, as there were no chairs. He was perplexed and decided to go back to his room to sleep. In the morning, my mom asked me if I went downstairs that night to have a meal or to get something for one of my boys. I was confused and told her I was asleep with both my sons in my brother's room and did not wake up until the morning. I asked her why she wanted to know that and she told me what our assistant said he saw. Again, I was surprised but did not feel scared. I was mostly fascinated. I asked him later that day so I could hear it firsthand, and he was equally confused by the whole thing. We both shrugged it off and laughed. One last story. This happened to the same live-in assistant. On a warm night, he was sleeping with his bedroom door open. The way the room is set up, his feet were facing the door, and when he raised his head, he could see out into the hall, and directly in sight was the staircase. He was suddenly awoken and lifted his head. At the staircase, he saw a woman wearing a long white dress. She had long dark hair that covered her whole face. She was sitting by the staircase in a squatting position, facing him, just watching and sitting there very still. He was spooked and went back to sleep. In the morning, he told my mom what he saw. My mom then said, Oh yes, I have seen her too. She is harmless. She walks around the second floor and always disappears when you try to look again. You can usually see her from the corners of your eyes, but she always disappears when you try to look again. When my grandma was still alive, she used to tell us that she often saw a lot of small, bald children outside her door, either running around or just there for her to see. I am now in my early 40s, and I seldom go back to my childhood home in Indonesia. I still occasionally feel things here in Australia, but these feelings are never as intense as when I am back in Indonesia. 
my childhood home definitely has some spirits. So last week, the allergies were kicking your butt, but about 20 minutes ago, you just got hit with a wave of fatigue. 2023 just isn't our year, I don't think. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm sick or anything. I, well, allergies have been kicking my butt. My wife too. You can probably hear it in my throat. It's super hoarse right now. I had a really hard time getting these episodes out this week. If it weren't for the grace of God, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But yeah, yesterday I just, I went extra hard at the gym. I don't know why I spent a little too long in the sauna afterwards. And when I came back, I didn't really stop. I just got to work. Then I went out with friends, had some beers. I had to take a Benadryl because of my allergies. And when I came back to the house and went to bed, I had a hard time getting to sleep. And then I, I woke up like middle of the night and couldn't get back to sleep. But then when I finally did, I had a lucid dream, which was cool. But I didn't get rested while I was sleeping because whenever I have a lucid dream, I just, I don't feel like I really slept. You know, this probably is just pseudoscience, but I wonder if it's because the brain is just so active with what's going on. Yeah, it has to be like, I don't feel like your body's actually resting when you're having a lucid dream. Cause when I do, I can feel the sensation of my physical body when I'm in a lucid dream. Sometimes it'll pull me out of the dream, but I got to like pull myself back into the dream because I get, become so aware like of my hands or the way that I'm laying or something. No, that happens to me too. My biggest struggle is although I can lucid dream pretty often they don't last very long like in the dream world or whatever it feels like oh yeah no. maybe four to five minutes tops it's never like a full eight hour lucid dream like oh no way the entire time i'm actually asleep i would love that that'd be amazing put me in a coma in that case yeah same uh and this one was actually one of the longer ones i haven't had one this this vivid and this long in a while and it, i actually had a moment where i was like oh crap i am in a lucid dream I'm not going to wake up. I was like doing the uh, affirmation thing mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. hard. I was like, I'm not going to wake up. I'm not going to wake up. And I did everything that I wanted in the dream and I enjoyed myself. And yeah, as we do, <laughs> as we do. And, and uh, <laughs> I even like decided to meditate because I remember the last time I had a long lucid dream like this. I meditated and it was like the most psychedelic experience ever. This time when I did, I closed my eyes. I, was, I found a bed and I sat on it, closed my eyes set cross-legged and immediately was hit with like lasers. It was crazy. It was like a laser show that hit me, like the most insane sensation. There's no way to describe it. I can't put it into words. All I can say is like a laser show went off and then I woke up. Speaking of laser shows, you should come with me to a rave. No. It's okay. It's, I don't it's too you. much for my... Uh, my both my anxiety and sensory overload it's just way too much for me you would think it'd be the same case for me because i'm really introverted but for whatever reason raves tend to transform me into an extrovert and i just love everybody around me i like to break out of my shell i can see why you wouldn't like them <laughs> maybe when i turn 40 i'll grow up and lose interest well, to clear the air, I'm not 40 yet. <laughs> I'm making true, my way there. True. I'm well, making my way there. But yeah, to get back to not feeling good in 2023, man, I just got hit with the biggest wave of fatigue, like, you know, 20, 30 minutes ago when I texted you. It, it, it built up, like it slowly started getting worse and worse over the evening. Then after we left dinner, we went to the store. I had to just run to the car because I was just like, I, I couldn't even stand up. And I'm 
I'm holding myself up right now with all the strength that I have left in my body. I don't know what it is. I think I just overexerted myself, didn't get enough sleep, and that lucid dream was the one-two punch that knocked me out today. Well, Pinocchio, I wish I could be your Geppetto and hold you up by the strings. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I do want to talk about some of the stories real quick before we take off. I'm going to power through this. Uh, that, That story about the farmhouse shadow That was from a listener of Let's Not Meet. They actually sent that in for the Let's Not Meet show, but it just felt more appropriate for Odd Trails, given that it sort of hinted at the bedroom intruder, as we referred to them in the past. She thought that it might be the ghost of her great-grandpa, and it just felt more appropriate for Odd Trails. So sometimes that happens. Listeners may not know that. A lot of the stories on the podcast end up being repurposed from Let's Not Meet just because they had a supernatural twist or something to them. But that was a very cool story, and I'm glad we were able to get it on the show. That sounds more like a yes, let's meet story in that case, since it was her grandpa. But full disclosure, I haven't listened to it yet. Actually, in the story, it was more of a sinister feeling that she got from it. I don't want to ruin it for you because I know you're going to listen to it before we upload this episode. But just keep in mind that she just didn't feel comfortable in that house her whole life. And this may be the reason why. I won't say anything else about it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But that story that took place in the huge house in Indonesia, I could not help but laugh about how the live-in assistant or whatever just went to sleep after he saw that woman by the stairs. It sounds familiar. Yeah, I, I kind of caught on that too. Me doing the same thing when those three loud bangs occurred in my house at three in the morning. And then, of course, Timothy Renner, when he was on, he kind of chuckled at me for doing the same thing. But what else are we really going to do if these things that appear to us really want to do harm? I don't think getting scared is going to do anything. So I say you might as well just go out peacefully, embrace it. I'm with you. I think the same thing. Whenever I hear a sound in the house that's like ghostly, I know nobody's coming to the door because none of my alarms go off. Whenever anything somewhat creepy and supernatural happens, I just let it happen and ignore it just because I know, what am I going to do? Look at it? Go find it? Exactly. No. I'm like, you know, put it in handcuffs? Come on. I was frozen in fear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For real. Yeah. And house update. The loan closes very soon. And uh, yeah, I'll be moving in March 15th. Man, that's so fast. One month. It is. It is less than 30 days. Yeah. It's going to feel like a lifetime, though. (laughs) This part of buying a house, it feels like it takes forever. But you're going to be so happy when you're done, man. You're going to have your own office. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Finally, yeah. Once the appraisal's done, I'll be rocking and rolling. I'm super excited. I actually love Utah. I don't know if I'm going to stay here forever, though, because... Not to get too political or soapboxy or whatever, but the air quality is really bad. The salt lake is quickly drying up to nothing. And then you have the NSA's data mining facility using nearly 2 million gallons of water a day. And I've heard Utah is suffering the worst drought in the country, but who knows? I mean, somebody knows. I'm just not going (laughs) to look it up right now. I do know the drought is pretty serious, though, like with everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that California was like in the worst drought in the country. But it's up there too. Yeah. Well, yeah, we are. I guess we are really close to each other on this side of the country. Well, anyways, uh, I'm sorry if I sound like a complete zombie during this outro. I, I'll probably have to go back and edit the shit out of this thing. Uh, but I, I appreciate everybody being patient with me. And um, oh, one one more thing. 
Have you been to an escape room? No, I have not. I want to, though. I really do want to. Kevin and I are going to do one tomorrow for the first time. It's like themed after a 1940s detective office thing. But I've been playing escape room games. We played uh, Escape Academy a little bit a few months ago together online. And I finished the game and I just got addicted to the idea of escape rooms and downloaded all the games that I could until I realized, oh, wait, there's actual escape rooms. I need to try this out. So I'm going to do that tomorrow as long as I don't die. And uh, if it's good... I'll, I'll re- well, if it's good or bad, I'll report to you next week and exactly how it went. Good. There's plenty of them out here in Utah, too. Lots of family-friendly, sober-living fun, axe-throwing, soda bars. I can't wait to visit. we got to do all of that. It's nice. It's I nice. I like that stuff. I like that stuff yeah. a lot. Anyway, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This week you have heard Devil Dog at My Youth Group Retreat by Maria. Do I Have an Attachment by Jennifer, Farmhouse Shadow by CC, My Auntie's Farm by Anonymous, Paranormal Experiences by Olivia, and finally, Doppelganger Experiences at My Childhood Home by Marcelina. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Make sure you send your stories to stories at oddtrails.com to hear them on the show. And don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you want to get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate. For the best listening experience, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash odd trails. Help us keep this show going. And don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts, Let's Not Meet a True Horror Podcast, Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, and the Old Time Radio Cast at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys next week. Stay safe. Peace out.